So we are here for another episode of the Andal Discussion Show. Jack did an absolutely incredible job last week. I, I loved listening to Jack and Maff talking about episode four of Andal. So go back, listen to that if you haven't already. Um, but this time I'm joined by the podfather of Comics in Motion. And that is <laughs> Mr. Dave Horrocks. Good sir, how are you doing? I'm very good, Mike. It is great as always to speak to you again. Can't wait. This is the first time I've talked about Andor. Like you say, there's yourself and Jack, and then Jack and Math, and then I, uh, I had to listen to the episodes, to be honest, to fully digest what happened. <laughs> <laughs> Weirdly, uh, I don't know what it is about this series. I'm really enjoying it, but it's just a bit different where I'm not really that sure where it's going. Mm. You know, so uh, I think I, I, that that has helped me those episodes to structure my own thoughts to be oh. honest you know on on you know sort of listening to it and like oh yeah okay I feel about it that way so no it's been good yeah i agree i've been doing that with the she-hulk episodes um with uh, tonya and spider dan i've been loving those and then also it actually when i repeared on it last week it made me sad because like, oh i can't listen to one this week but i got to listen to jack talk about andor and i don't listen to mm. whenever i record these i don't listen to other people's thoughts on them before recording because i don't want to be like influenced yeah. in that episode because i've before done a recording yeah, and I listen yeah. to someone else go this and this and this and this was terrible and i'm like i didn't think of that and i don't want to just be poaching other people's thoughts but being able to do, normally want to do the star wars discussion shows because i record one or i watch the episode make notes record uh vaguely edit and then throw it out i don't often even listen to other people's thoughts in it afterwards so doing the back and forth with jack's really fun for me because i get to do that and hearing mm -hmm. jack talk about certain stuff along with obviously math and then his, his guests that he's going to have over the coming weeks. I'm just really excited because when it's a week I'm not recording, it's like, I don't have have to record. I'm not recording this week, so I get an extra hour. <laughs> Plus I get to hear a Star Wars podcast. And Jack's always yeah, so insightful. Yeah. So uh, this might be, it may not always be with uh, uh, Jack as the co-host, but I think the the changing so alternate hosting, I think especially for the longer series, I'm going to try in the future to kind of... Um, do that you know the six episodes is not too bad but when you start reaching nine plus it gets a bit time consuming it, i'm sure you're aware it's a good idea in the world yeah it is a good idea i mean we're, we're, i mean well you're asking the wrong person because me and chris are just dickheads and we <laughs> we do way too much and then we get annoyed with each other because we're so tired and we're like fucking hell get right oh it's not working <laughs> but for most people who have lives you know, it's good to spread it out, and I think the the joint co-hosting thing has has been brilliant. So, mm. and you know, Disney—they're trying to kill us at the minute, aren't they? Because oh in, initially, like She-Hulk was supposed to come out on a Wednesday, and it's like, and then they changed it, and I, I don't know what's going on really. I mean, how did they announce those dates, and then someone somewhere has gone, well, why would we release new content on exactly the same day? Surely. You know, we want to stagger it a little bit. Not, I mean, they don't give a shit about podcasters analyzing this <laughs> stuff, but you know, you just want to watch it. You know, it creates a bit of pressure. You know, shit, I've got to watch it before I get bloody spoiled, you know, because unless I want to take a, a social media hiatus, I've got no chance. I will get spoiled at some, at some point. So I think the fact that they did change it, move She Hulk to the Thursday is good, but you know stretching out the series making them longer and stuff as well it's great to have all this new content but you know as podcasters it, it creates a bit of a different problem doesn't it oh 100 
Yeah, I'm I'm in that boat. It's like, you know, I'm trying to record Star Wars comics and canon once a week while also doing and or every other week while trying to also just appear on other people's shows because as much as I love collaborating with the Comics Emotion family, um, I do want to try and expand a little bit to try and somewhat reach other audiences but also meet new people to collaborate. It's one of the things I love about podcasting. But it's like, I'm, I'm it's like I have to do like four, com- I have to, I do four Comics Emotion collaborations and one non Comics Emotion collab and that's fine mm. I'm not complaining because I love podcasting and everyone in Comics Emotion is so mm-hmm. cool but it's just it's like trying to balance genuine chit chat Comics and Canon any weekly discussion shows plus guest spots and also making sure Megan doesn't hate me for all of that stuff all of the <laughs> yeah. plus doing Afterthoughts which we've been doing as well so raising like, a puppy yeah that has been that's taken a lot of time <laughs> out of my day especially when I'm working from home but with Andor um, so what did you one thing I want to ask, obviously with Andor, I think most people are in the same boat of when the show got announced, everyone was like, oh, okay, I, I'll watch it because it's Star Wars, but I'm not like, it's not like the Ahsoka mm. series where you're like, yes, I, I I love that character, so I want to watch it. Or it's not like Kenobi, or if you're a prequel fan, you're like, yes, it, it was like, oh, oh, it's a rebellion show. Maybe, And then the, the closer it got to release, I think the more hyped people were getting. So like, oh shit, this is going to be like Rogue One, basically, but a series. So mm. with you, what did you think of and or like as a when it got announced and stuff, I assume in a similar boat. And then mm. the first four episodes, how have you kind of um, seen them so far? So I think when it was announced, I, I didn't really. It, it it wasn't one of those where it was like Obi Wan series. Holy shit! I'm really <laughs> psyched for that. You know, I I want to watch this. And it was like uh, right, okay. So I, I obviously it's going to be closer. If you were to draw a graph, you know, in terms of how light the episode is and how much you're likely to enjoy it versus dark and gritty or something like that some kind of graph you would plot it somewhere around one i just didn't i felt like it was going to be there in terms of just the feel of it mm. and rogue one without a doubt is the best of the the kind of sequels mm. uh, batch of movies that we've had so you know it's quite up for it from that sense but also the fact that they're going to create all of these characters that you know though we're obviously going to be easter eggs nods to other people and stuff as well but they could pretty much do what they wanted and it's kind of what i wanted as well you know this is a massive universe or, or not a universe really it's a galaxy you know, and we've moaned about the the Skywalker saga, and there's so much that they could explore that isn't that. You know, I mean, A New Hope, the the movie that I fell in love with and still am in love with, but you know, it's kind of based around Luke Skywalker. Well, all right, he was basically the guy who shot the winning goal at the end, but you know, he was just a small part of a massive, massive rebellion you know, and with so many moving parts and everything. So I was intrigued by it rather than massively chomping at the bit. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a weird one. I, it's, it's one of those things that now the show's got going, I'm so, I'm so bought in, so bought into it. I'm like, it, it's one of those weird things because Rogue One was the ultimate movie that no one asked for, but everyone is so thrilled to have. The, the I don't even know mm. how it got made, in all honesty. I know there are lots of production issues, but like the premise being we're basically filling in a plot hole from A New Hope that people parody and moan about, but it's never been like a crux of Star Wars. It's never been like mm. some of the issues in the prequels that people make them hate Star Wars. It's just like, oh, you know, blow up the Star Destroyer, whatever. And it's like, okay, so we're doing a prequel series. We're doing a prequel movie to that event. It's like, that can't that, that can't be good. It can't be. And then you watch it and you go, I don't know 
what's what's real anymore because <laughs> it's so well done yeah. so brilliant yeah, yeah. every element of it is so well done so with Andor, yeah. how did you feel about like the the three episode premiere and then the fourth episode how have you kind of taken them i think to be honest uh, uh... And, and I'm at a very busy stage in my life right now. Just the last few months have been a bit hectic. So the I feel like I need to go back and watch it, watch those first four episodes again mm. and be 100% concentrated rather than trying to squeeze in watching and like checking my phone and stuff. And so I've enjoyed them, but I'm sure there's been so much going on that I just haven't picked up on. I'm sure there are so many name drops that I should know. You know, th- there's references to things, places that, that I'm like, oh, right, I should know this from this. But I've, I've just kind of been in a, a state of watching it in about 60 to 70% concentration, I would say. Mm. But I'd say that first episode, I think it set the tone brilliantly because, you know, you, you when we meet, Andor or Cassian in in Rogue One, he's he's already part of the rebellion, so it was just interesting to see you know him him at the bar or was it a brothel or something, yeah, um, and then just kill those two guys who were pieces of shit, but I'm not sure they deserve to die, you mm. know. So it's like, all right, he's a bit grey, you know, he's not he's not a goody goody. You know, he's he's more like Han Solo in the original New Hope, you know, when mm. he shot first. And then they sort of like, oh, no, no, he didn't shoot first. He's too good for that. <laughs> no, bollocks. We want him to be a bit of a, a shitbag as well. You know, that's what makes him interesting. So, yeah, I have enjoyed it. And then, uh, you know, it's I just feel like I need to be a bit more concentrated, mm. you know, and I don't necessarily watch Star Wars to really pick up on all the political intrigue, if you know what I mean. Mm. If I if I sit down to Game of Thrones, I know I need to figure out, you know, wh- which house someone is in and who their allegiances are with and, you know, what this conversation means. Whereas I, I tend to, you know, watch Star Wars with a bit of a lighter mood and, you know, I'm expecting it to be fairly obvious, even though, you know, years later, I used to really dislike the prequels, but partially, you know, getting to know you and hearing you passionately talk about it and thinking about the actual story versus the execution of the movies, mm-hmm. actually, that has played on my mind. But when you're watching it, you're just like, ooh, lightsabers. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, so, but it's only after when it's like, all oh, right, that was fucking clever emperor well done well done you you know you bastard but you know that was clever shit so um yeah i i would like to go back so i have been enjoying it like I say but i feel like i'd enjoy it even more if i concentrated a bit more and and for this episode just because i knew i was coming on and speaking to you i thought right i got fucking concentrate for this one so <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because i um i often don't before doing discussion shows i often don't re-watch um, the, normally because I just have time I normally watch it once with Megan and I'm making notes for out and then maybe if there's something I miss or something I want to revisit I'll then pop on Disney Plus normally working from home or something and I'm playing with Willow for a bit and then I'll just chuck on the background that's what I did today um, so episode 3 I watched 
um, I rewatched, and then this episode I rewatched again uh, today. Uh, Megan was out tutoring and stuff, so I didn't have to <laughs> try and make her watch something. She was like, I "Don't really want to watch Andor twice." It's like you know, trying to get her to watch it the <laughs> once is it's a show that she likes, but she's not fully bought into yet. Whereas you yeah. know, so trying to get her to watch it twice is a fool's errand. Um, but I watched this one twice, and I do find it, this show. I'm very happy we have it, but I feel like this show should have come a couple years ago. I feel like this almost should have been the first live action show in the sense that like a Mandalorian's great. Obviously um, I enjoyed Kenobi. Um, I did enjoy episodes of Book of Boba Fett, um, even though it's definitely the weakest, but it's just that this show, I think, has come at a point where a lot of people have stopped caring about star wars a lot of people just aren't fussed rise of sky well last jedi was very divisive half the audience disappeared and they didn't want to watch rise of skywalker and then the rest of the audience who watch rise of skywalker was like oh this is pretty wank or at least not as good as we would want it to be and you've got that mix of solo that no one really asked for and everyone just goes yeah it's a good movie but it's not amazing and then you've got a few series which apart from mandalorian the other ones are quite divisive in certain ways as well and i feel like most of my friends who I think most of my friends haven't even watched episode nine of Star Wars. They haven't watched any of the Mandalorian or anything like that, but they really liked Rogue One. All my friends who aren't that into Star Wars like Rogue One. And I'm like, this is the kind of show that I would recommend to people who don't really like Star Wars that much. Because I think the showrunner, Tony Gilroy, he even said he's not the biggest Star Wars fan. And that's actually what makes the show better in a lot of ways. Because as much as I love Kenobi, it's basically plot hole filling and fan service. And I enjoy it. It's got <laughs> a couple of weak episodes, but I do enjoy it because it's made for me. It's literally Mike, you like Kenobi, don't you? Yes. Would you want to just see him prequel era Kenobi basically get his ass handed to him and then mm. whoop Vader's ass to oblivion? It's like, yes, I would like to see that. Yes, you get that power from nowhere. Yeah, right? exactly. But... <laughs> That's just he's got the high ground. Don't worry about it. Um but like with that it's with this show though it's not about it, it's as you say it, it's a show in star wars and the way i described this i think in the episode i did with with jack was this feels like a show made by hbo it doesn't feel like a show mm. i have to keep apologizing for you know with all the disney shows apart from maybe mando series 2 there's always been that bit of it's amazing for a star wars show you know i don't rate any of the star wars series to be close to any of my favorite all-time big epic tv series things like sherlock or like ignoring the last couple series of game of thrones basically what house of dragons doing now like a lot of these shows or chernobyl it's obviously a one-off series but it's so well made the crown is incredible things like that none of the star wars shows really compared to that parts of mandalorian kind of did but this show feels so adult this feels big budget this they're shooting on location just little things where i'm like there's no prequel-esque bits that happen that pull you out of it and you go what mm. there's none of that i found uh, i wonder what you kind of thought because i just <laughs> waffled on there for ages <laughs> no no i think it's a fair point and the reason one of the reasons i've made the game of thrones comparison is it does feel a little bit a little bit like that where mm. you know all these name drops and things you've got all of these different characters so it's not like we're just focusing on cassian and him alone you know, there's all these different people, you know, on the Empire side and also on the Rebellion side. And they're not particularly, they're not as obviously painting them as heroes and villains, like, you know, in the in the classic Star Wars. So I, I, I think it is really adult. Would it pull in people? Uh, I don't know. Um, I think it'll pull in. But if someone who watched this 
So this yeah. is almost like if this is unfortunately no non-Star Wars fans are going to watch this because this is as far as it goes quite obscure Star Wars, you know what I mean? But this is the show that I'd say if you're not a Star Wars fan and no one who's not a Star Wars fan is going to be listening to this podcast anyway, but this is the kind of show I'm like you can get someone who doesn't really isn't fussed about Star Wars but liked Rogue One. If you could get them into this show, this could get new people into Star Wars. It's just with the territory no one who doesn't like Star Wars is going to try this. <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah, I just don't see it. I think you still need a bit of, a little bit of prerequisite knowledge, don't you? Just about the Empire, why they're a bunch of dicks, why they're a uh, substitute for Nazis and whatever, because we saw a bit of that in this episode. Mm. Well, yeah, I think that helps. But it, yeah, it definitely feels different, doesn't it? I mean, I, I wonder, you know, would Mandalorian be what it was if it wasn't for Baby Yoda? You know, we hate ourselves, so. or or I hate myself for it, because I'm like, Disney, you bastard, you've just Disneyfied this little thing, you've Disneyfied Loda, Yoda, shrunk him down, just to make us love him. <laughs> By God, you've succeeded, you bunch of bastards, but I, I love it, you know, and, and the best thing about Boba Fett were the two Mando episodes that we got, so, you know, it, it, that was enjoyable, but do you not think that they're suffering a little bit in the same way that the MCU is suffering in that you know you've got all these series and you know a lot of them are, are a six out of ten you know they are good but none of them tend to really hit it out the park at, like you say when you watch chernobyl and you just like holy shit and and i think that that's so different game of thrones left a, a sour taste in everyone's mouth didn't it because the way they finished it off those last two episodes that was series series was terrible mm-hmm. uh but you still go back to those first three seasons and by god that that is some of the best tv that i've ever seen in my life so i i think that i think they still need to step it up a little bit you know it, it, it i mean how many episodes are in this 12 per season there's gonna be two seasons right so yeah i suppose it's still got some work to go i mean they're gonna have to stretch it out a bit though aren't they because <laughs> We know what happens to him in Rogue One, so he's got to do all this shit before he gets to Rogue One. So, yeah. No, it is good. It is good. But like you say, a very different tone. And I think the other thing that I don't know, you're probably close to the Star Wars community than I am, but do people not get confused a bit with the timelines? It's like, oh, where's this one now? You know, in terms, I know you always baseline at the Battle of Yavin, um, but you know, when you had Clone Wars, brilliant series, but you know, that's in this time. You got Rebels, which is in this slightly different time as well. You know, you got Bad Batch, okay, that's after Clone Wars kind of thing. And it it's weird. If you look at the MCU pre Infinity War and Endgame, you know, each movie that came out led, you know, led on to the next one. Mm-hmm. So it was a linear thing that you could easily wrap your head around. And one of the criticisms that the series have had is like, oh, I don't know where this all fits in. And I don't know if that's a fair criticism. It's like, does it have to? Does it have to? Could it not just be its own thing? Um, Whereas, I guess, with Star Wars, and again, because it is all of that, you know, one continuity, that one canon, I just wonder if, at least for me, I have to keep thinking, right, okay, where is this in the timeline? Yeah, I, I will. Yeah, you, you're completely right. Lots of people get confused about it. Megan asked me a lot. I, I probably say whenever a new Star Wars series happens, I get five messages from a variety of people saying, 
where does this fall in the timeline? I have no idea. Uh, and in the <laughs> Star Wars groups I'm in as well, every day there's someone asking. And it's, it's fair because Star Wars, they try not to timestamp things too much because then when they inevitably either retcon something or something comes in that squeezes in the gap of these two events happening, you know, Kenobi kind of did that. The problem mm. is you go, well, when did this happen and this happen? A lot of it is Vader. It's like, what is Vader doing now? I thought Vader at this point in this mm. thing was doing this thing. I thought he was doing that thing, you know. And Star Wars try not to give times. They just kind of vaguely say, it's around this time. There's a couple, there's the mm. 2017 Vader comics. They actually changed the timings of, of one of them. I can't remember, I tackled it in the episode, but it was like halfway through the 2017 Vader comics, it was meant to be a time jump of, I think it was meant to be two years, but they pushed it up to like five. So when I was rereading them for comics and canon, you know, four years mm. on from reading them originally, I was reading the digital versions and I was like, three years on? I was like, mm. it's one year on. And I remember, and I got my <laughs> physical copy, because normally when I do comics and canon, I, I use Marvel Unlimited in the iPad, especially when I'm doing older episodes. Um, and so I, I compared the two crawls and they are different. They've changed a smidge of it. So, but they haven't told anyone. I was like, what? And then I checked on like, Wikipedia and stuff, and they're like, oh, yeah. You're onto something there. It sounds like a conspiracy to me. <laughs> Get your conspiracy wall up. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, timeline thing is a weird one, because this is this is going to... There's a, a lot of thought this is going to run co concurrently with Rebels. So the idea of Andor, mm -hmm. vaguely, is... I can't remember when they said, but it's something like every certain amount of episodes is like a year or so. We're like five years before Rogue One, and I can't remember what it was, but they said something like the last like three episodes of the, of the whole series won't be out to like next year or whatever. Mm. That's going to lead into Rogue One. But it's like these six episodes are five years before. These six are four years before. Mm. Kind, kind of like that. I try not to pay too much attention because I find that then I'm you know, expecting it in a sense. But yeah, mm. they almost, Star Wars almost just need to, when they do, obviously they don't really do the crawl for series and things. They just need to start with saying five years before Rogue One. That's all, all yeah. just a little thing. You know, it says a long time ago, Galaxy Far, Far Away, they just do a little crawl or they do what they did in Solo, which is just a bit of text saying on the streets of Corelli or whatever they said at the start of Solo or after the Imperial reign or something like that. They just need to put approximately five years yeah. before um, the Death Star incident or something. Mm. You don't even have to say the, you don't have to, you don't even have to kind of reference it outside of the movies, you know, of BBY and that sort of stuff. They could just say, <laughs> you know, or five years before Galen Erso died or some shit. You, you know what I mean? You could, all, you could just do random, some random event from Rogue One mm. and just say this is about five years beforehand and not really yeah. worry too much. But they do a lot of stuff about press when the timeline is. And then when the show comes out, they don't really mention it. And it's just a bit, mm. See, I weird, do. isn't it? I do get you. Do get yeah. you. But delving into this episode, um, so I want to preface this first by saying I don't, I've written just in red on my little notepad, I don't think things will work out. That's my, I know we're not necessarily doing predictions at this moment, but my general <laughs> vibe is I, I've said it before, I kind of, I'm somewhat masochistic or sadistic in some of my shows I like to watch because I do like watching my some of my favourite characters get beaten down a lot so one of the things I enjoyed about uh, Kenobi I was like I love you Kenobi be in pain um, yeah. for, for my amusement suffer yeah suffer. exactly <laughs> you're gonna love Daredevil born again then oh yeah very, very much looking forward to that but it's like um, with with this, I'm obviously we know Andor survives, and then the stuff going on with Mon Mothma, we know that she survives. 
they're the only two characters that are guaranteed survival. I think Saul Guerrero's popping mm. up at some point, um, and obviously we know what happens to him, but all the other characters, it's kind of Game of thrones in the sense of like anyone could die at any point. And I have a strong feeling we've got introduced to, we were talking before pressing record, there's like six or seven characters that are where Andor is um, at the moment. And I've got most of the names written down, but it's like they're not all going to survive. And I have a horrible feeling all my favorite ones are going to have horrible horrible deaths and it's going to be like <laughs> not not brutal brutal like game of thrones but you know when you get you watch a character die and you're like you do not deserve this yeah <laughs> that's the vibe no i think it's going to be like deadpool 2 really isn't it with x-force <laughs> I, I think i can see it coming to be fair it's, it's not going to go well i mean i think they're they're playing it up brilliantly how it is this very it's a ragtag mob, you know, it's not a well-trained uh, military unit or anything. You know, they're all kind of uh, all suspicious of each other. They're kind of winging it. They've just got a burning desire. And I have to say, you know, the axe remembers, uh, sorry, the axe forgets, but the tree remembers. I think it's such a brilliant saying, and I'm definitely going to remember that. And I'm sure I will be using it at some point. I, I don't. I'm assuming that's an old saying that I've just never heard. But I was like, oh, that is so brilliant. And you know, you can see in from this episode, it, it digs into, you know, why are the different characters involved? Why do they care? You get the one guy. Uh, what was his name? Skeet or something? Uh, Skeen. Uh, Skeen. And, you know, he's got like the, it's almost like a barcode on him, isn't it? You know, it's almost like the the Jews got tattooed, didn't they, in the in the Nazi prisoner of war camps. And, you know, he, he recognizes, you know, with Cassians, obviously recognizes that from him as well. And I, I just thought the way it was built up was uh, really good. And the fact that the Empire, you can see that they're stamping on all of these people and you've got people like Mon Mothma's family and everything doing very well. You know, you can see Mon Mothma's trying to do something, but a family don't give a shit, really. They're just living the high life and enjoying it. We'll be plenty of people like that, which is why, again, I still question why they changed the end of Return of the Jedi, because it's like, surely there'll be a lot of people who were quite comfortable with their lives and don't give a shit that there was this militant group who blew up another Death Star. Mm. So, uh, but anyway, uh, getting off topic there. So yeah, I just, I just love the way it delved into those characters and there wasn't really, there was no fight scenes or anything. This was really games of Throny. It was very heavy on dialogue, you know, and, and getting to know these characters which, like you say, and you know, there was another character. What was his name? I think it was Karis. He, he gave off real. Uh, is it Mouse from Matrix? Oh, it's a it little it programmer. Nemic. Yeah, yeah. Nemic was it? The Alex Nemic. Uh, yeah, yeah. Karis Nemic gave yes. off those kind of vibes where you know he's 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 all enthusiastic and he's looking up to Cassian and stuff. So there was lots of little things that felt familiar to something else and no i just i just loved it honestly i i think it's pure luck of coming on with, with this episode but for me at least this was my favorite episode so far in the season i agree completely i, I did now that you mentioned mouse it, it's funny because mouse has my least favorite death in all the matrix movies i don't know what it is but when i first watched the matrix and i think he might be the first one to die when everything goes bad and mm. he's just obviously he the, he opens the door and it's a wall and he's like 
oh no and he's yeah. just got the panic and he's and he turns mm. around and just gets chunks blown out of him like almost robocop style and then you're seeing his body there connected in like you know hemorrhaging and stuff and it's like yeah. this is awful and then obviously it's, they all eventually die but basically all of them that death always got me the most mm. and with nemec him talking about his manifesto and stuff i'm like you're gonna now that you said it's connected to the dots in my head he's gonna have a horrible mouse like death isn't he i think well yeah yeah uh, and again he's, he's so young he's like you know he's in it for the right reasons and everything's quite idealistic yeah you're gonna die sunshine <laughs> it's so sad but it's it's one of the things i think that tony gilroy is doing very obviously he didn't direct all the episodes he's the showrunner but him putting these things together did exactly what rogue one did so well which is how have you made us care about characters that we basically know aren't going to survive you make them real they all feel like real people there's conflict there and i think one of the things i love is star wars the majority of conflicts are pew pew conflicts so either a shiny light sword or mm. shooting around or whatever but this you can feel in a situation like the rebellion and and it was mirrored with mon mothma speaking with her family and it's what game of thrones does so well which is the power of a conversation everyone's been in a scenario where you have a conversation with someone and you're not shouting at each other you're not swearing at each other but one of you saying something and the other one saying something else and there is some insane tension and like weight between what's being said and I found with this episode, I was like on the edge of my seat. I, I knew it was, well, I knew, air quotes. I didn't think the plan was going to go ahead till next episode. But I just felt with all the music choices and the power of the conversation and the whole filmmaking, and obviously all the actors are phenomenal in this, of just, it felt like, and I think as I said, the music really helps this, something's bubbling, something's like coming together. Like you can kind of feel that almost this kind of noise in the mm. background that's getting louder and louder and louder and louder. And it's going to get to breaking point. And this episode, I felt so tense. Mm. Definitely. Um, I, 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 yeah. Very, really, really, really well built up in terms of tension and everything. I, it, it does remind me, I, I remember seeing years ago, again, before Game of Thrones went off the rails, that <laughs> the most unrealistic thing about game of thrones how productive all the meetings are because <laughs> <laughs> most meetings are just nonsense i spend a lot of time in meetings and i have to say that's true but i i think even the way it starts off you know you've got um khan you know who's who's basically you know in a shitty he's in his mum's place which is a shitty little place it's it's down at the bottom, isn't it, of the city at Coruscant, and you know he gets to see the sunlight for about thirty seconds, and then that's it. That's that's the bright. That's the highlight of the day. Then, and he's getting chipped away at by his mom, who's like you know disappointed with him, but you know trying to steer his life still, and and you can sort of empathise with him, you know. And again, I think that's what they're trying to do. That they're, they're getting away from that, you know, empire bad uh rebel alliance good it, it's trying to just show you where are these people coming from and, and what is their motivation where where are those lives you know where are they coming from and everything so i don't even really know where he's where his arc is gonna go you know is he gonna get obsessed with cassian uh, uh, and you know he's he's the, he's gonna be a nemesis kind of thing um, but he is a really interesting character. It does really, you know, something about his energy, his aura, it just bursts off the screen, doesn't it? I find him so, like, his expressions are so, um, there's so much going on there without any dialogue, 
with him, you mm. know, and you're not sure what it is. What is he thinking? But it's something, you know, so An intensity. No, I enjoy his, yeah, I enjoy his character, but I don't know. I'm always thinking, oh, just, just stop being a dick. Join the Alliance, you know, see, see the light of your ways. But I don't think that's, that's going to be it for him. I think he's going to uh, like, like the, uh, the other two are trying to piece together the, the randomness, you know, the, uh, those people, I think they, they're not jumping over to the good side either. They they're going to thwart someone's plans, and I, I suspect that's where everything's going to converge. Mm. Yeah, I was going to ask actually. That is a very nice uh, segue into the ISB. So the um, Imperial Security Bureau in the books, especially, they are quite a major part, and in the comics, they are to a degree. But if anyone doesn't know, they basically investigate people. Uh, Jack brilliantly put it in last episode. Uh, he put the sort of the five. Um, departments in a sense of the imperial security bureau how they work what they do etc you know getting uh, information on the enemy but also a lot of it is internal affairs a lot of what the empire mm. does is they look inward and anyone who starts uh showing signs of rebellion or insubordination or anything nip that in the bud pull them out torture them move them kill them whatever you do not go against the imperial machine that's how it, it's worked for how it worked for 20 years and really only when the empire went too far and blew up the death uh, blew up alderaan that's the point where palpatine went from being you know an emperor to sith palpatine that's the mm. moment that the vast majority of systems started joining the rebellion that's the moment there was a high amount of imperial defectors because the the empire do horrible things but in the name of order you can kind of understand. I mean, it's Britain, isn't it? Obviously, we went around and slaughtered God knows how many people in the name of imperialism, and we're doing things the right way. Yes, if some people die, that's okay because the greater good's fine. But if if you go and like firebomb an entire country, that's you can't really argue there was just cause for that. And I think that with the Empire, what this show's doing well is there are so many characters who do support the Empire and are good people. Ray Sloan is a character who's in the Aftermath books, uh, and she appears mm. in uh, A New Dawn as well, which is the prequel to Rebels uh, book where Hera and Kanan are. She's in that as well. And she's an, emp- she's an Imperial until she dies. She is fully in it. But she's a, she is a good person. She, she, she just believes that the Empire is the best way. And in all honesty, mm. Even in today's society, America do all kinds of atrocities, so do England. But very few people are saying, let's take down the entire system in a serious way. You get protests, you get people who are anti-government, that's fine. But the idea of, hey, let's kill some government officials. Very few people who disagree with our government are going to be like, yeah, let's car bomb some some uh, government, some MPs in Britain. Let's kill some politicians. I don't know. Last last January got pretty close, didn't it? In America, <laughs> yes. In in America, obviously there was that boiling point, but those people weren't considered heroes. The Capitol riot. Even people who are very anti-America and anti-establishment don't view the Capitol riots as the right way to air quote fight the man. So it's all these weird things that are kind of in Star Wars, as you put it. I like that we're getting into the grey. I'm like mm. showing there are good people who are in the Empire because they thought it was mm. the right thing to do. Just like there are going to be bad people, air quotes, in the Rebellion. And that's what I like. So with those people, they only got a small scene in this one. But that woman um, who I was just about to look it up because there's so many characters in this, it's very hard to kind of remember who's who. But the woman who is the Imperial Security Bureau, the, the woman in white, who argued with the guy who played the Grand Maester in Game of Thrones. <laughs> everyone's in Game of Thrones. Um, Miro. 
I think that, Dead that, Romero. That's certainly is her name. Uh, that certainly could be her name. I if if you're on IMDb right now, then you are gonna be Yeah, yeah okay. Um her, yes. Um so I what do you think of them? What do you think of the ISB and that kind of behind closed doors? We haven't got to see that very much in uh, Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's funny because Tony and Jack did nineteen eighty-four mm. uh, on on Tonya's band book series, and I, I was listening to that and they just feel like that, you know, that, that kind of bureau. They're, they're like you said, they're, they're kind of looking outside, but they're also looking inside as well. You know, it's a bit of a KGB sort of thing and, you know, how governments try and control narrative and propaganda and everything. So, again, I'm not really – I don't feel like I'm picking up on everything that's going on there. But, again, I think, well – it's not there for no reason. I think this is going to, they're going to thwart the plans or at least come close to thwarting the plans of the, the rebel Alliance. And and again, I guess if it's 12 episodes, you know, we're only, only on episode five, not, not even at the halfway point yet. So, you know, you would think about now or, you know, episode six or seven is about the time to have a failed mission. Hmm. You know, so so maybe they'll thwart that one, and then maybe they'll they'll have better luck as you get close to twelve. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those things that I um I just looked up the the actress as well, um and uh, you were correct in um that I'm going to say her name one more time. It's Dedra Miro. Um, the actress who plays it is Denise Goff. I know her because she voices Yennefer in The Witcher Three, which is arguably one of the greatest video games of all time from a narrative and gameplay perspective um but that's what got me into the witcher series actually um but she's incredible um i i love the spy and espionage stuff and the funny thing is with andor like i'm really enjoying the andor mission you know trying to go with that group of people who've been living in what looks like the scottish highlands for months if not Mm. years that i'm interested by it but i feel like i think things are going to go wrong i think people a lot of people are going to die and that's going to be the action stuff but the behind-the-scenes espionage things, the the investigation from the ISB and then what Mon Mothma is doing, they're the parts that really intrigue me the most. And I think because, you know, I love the action in Star Wars, but with someone like myself who's consumed every piece of Star Wars media on um, this series, apart from I haven't seen all of Force of Destiny, which is like a two-minute cartoons for kids. Aside from that, mm. I've seen all of those. I've read a good chunk of the books. I've read every comic. So the action side of things, I've got covered for a lot of it. Mm. But the, the the feeling, I think, is one of the things I love about Star Wars. But in this show, when you get all this esp- espionage stuff, I, I feel like when Moth Mothma's just talking to her family, I'm like, this is breadcrumbs away from her entire life falling apart because she's doing mm. some... She's committing treason. Serious, serious treason. Like, and and she's doing this and it seems like her family, as you say, not only do they not know, they actually don't care and they would be actually mm. against it. So the towing the line part of her, like Genevieve O'Reilly is incredible as Mon Mothma and she's played Mon Mothma in every iteration of Mothma apart from the original trilogy, even mm. voice acting. So I love it seeing her side of things is something i really enjoy what about yourself have you thought about uh, mon mothma's side of things and stuff i think it's it's wonderfully tragic actually because you know it's all going to go tits up but mm-hmm. at some point isn't it you know she's going to lose her family that might be because they get killed or that might be because you know they just disown her or, or something like that but at the moment she's okay kind of operating in the shadows you know, she's leading this double life. She's helping the Alliance, but she's keeping up appearances in her public life and everything. 
and what changes i am genuinely interested in that how does she go on to lead the the rebel alliance um but i i think one of the other reasons i find it wonderfully tragic i was i was feel like if you're going to truly excel or you are going to be uh, you know say you're going to be the world's greatest 100 meter sprinter or you're going to go into politics and be the president of the USA or whatever it is you have to cut something else out of your life mm-hmm. and the relationship that she had with her daughter well I think to myself well you know, I wouldn't want to have that relationship with my kids her daughter doesn't appreciate like what she's doing she's got no idea she's just like well you're not spending enough time with me or you know but and she's not she's probably when she could have been spending time with her daughter she's probably off having secret mission like discussions and meetings with people you know to organize the alliance and i think it's just a just a little bit of a slice of life really isn't it it's, again you're always striving for that balance especially when you got you know family kids pets all of that you know you're like right yeah i know i need to do work and that pays for the house and food and everything but then i want to kind of have a private life as well and spend time with the kids and you you're always striving for that balance um i don't know if that was what they were thinking i i wonder where it's going to go with the family um i don't really know how to take the husband yet i mean clearly he doesn't really care (laughs) he seems to have a great life could have been played by matt berry quite honestly i think (laughs) matt berry would have have been a good choice for mom martimer's you know a bit on the side but um yeah he's not that interested but also i feel like if he got if he got wind that she was up to something I, i think he'd chop her I think he'd throw her under the bus. And and so I just wonder, is uh, you know, are they going to get carted away or what is going to happen? I, I am interested by that. Yeah, I mean, I've, I didn't even know Mon Mothma had a kid. Uh, I'm not, you know, the world expert on Mon Mothma. I know, I know comics and motion people think I know everything about Star Wars. I really don't. I try. Uh, I try to learn where I can, but I don't know. To be the expert, you just have to know a lot more than anyone else. And for us, you're the expert. <laughs> thank you um but with mon mothma in particular like i've read i i know that she survives through the original trilogy and then by the time of the force awakens just before that she gets quite ill about five or ten years before the force awakens and then that's why leia kind of starts up the resistance because mon mothma is just not really about anymore i don't think she's explicitly dead in the sequel trilogy i think that she's just kind of faded into the background but claudia gray wrote bloodline which is a political thriller about uh, Leia. It's like half-ish way between episode six and episode seven. It's about what the political landscape is of the galaxy. Mon Mothma starts to demilitarize the New Republic. That's how the First Order started, bubbling under the surface and things. And so with that, and then there's a book called Leia, Princess of Alderaan, also by Claudia Gray. And that is set about five-ish years, no, three years before... um, a new hope and it's about leia finding out her parents are part of the rebellion and how that kind of how she deals with it and she mon mothma's in one or two chapters of that i don't remember mothma mentioning a daughter i don't remember her mentioning a husband either so i think what you're kind of uh getting at i i believe it's probably the case it's going to be something's going to happen she's going to get found out and her family are going to be like you or the, the dad is going to or husband whatever he's going to be like 
I want no part of this. If you get our daughter involved in this, this is treason. They will execute all of us. So mm. you have to stop. And she's like, I can't. I, I, I can't stop this. And they're going to go, bye then. And we're going to probably see some quite emotional scenes with her of her being just in her lavish house by herself. And she's going to have to kind of cover up things. You're going to have to be like, where have the family gone? Me and my husband have just been having problems. And mm. then it's like, hmm, what? why what's going on there you're not the nuclear family anymore and i wonder if that's going to be part of the unraveling see if i was has a guess i think she's going to be away on some mission but it's all going to come out that she's you know playing this double life and then you know the stormtroopers or whoever uh, are gonna storm the house and they're only going to find the husband and and the kid Mm. and then they're gonna incarcerate them and never be seen again that's what the SS would do. Yeah, I mean, the ISB definitely are into that that sort of thing, just making yeah. people disappear. Um, and I think that this being a spy thriller is something that's very much uh, intriguing me and things. Um, but one uh, sort of the last aspect we haven't really tackled here, obviously we, we've been jumping around all over um, because the narrative, the pure narrative of this episode, although I wrote notes, it's the story is the not the weakest part but it's like the actual plot of this film of this series this episode specifically is probably about four sentences but it's not about what's moving the plot forward it's all of the foundation around what's going to happen next everything is going to happen i think in the next big episode so with all the individuals that were the other the one of the cells of the rebellion before the rebellions like the the rebellion is the rebel alliance it's called the rebel alliance because there's different cells of the rebellion that started Mm. by themselves uh, like we see in Star Wars Rebels is a very good way of doing it. You get Saul Guerrero's Partisans in Rogue One. You get a variety and in Rogue One specifically you get to see some of these different cells clashing but that's what the Rebel Alliance is. It's groups of people who are fighting the Empire by themselves and then a thread connects them all and we get to see a bit of that in Rebels and slowly brings them together and then you get the Rebel Alliance and that's what we see in the original trilogy. So with this small cell people just trying to do some damage to the Empire and trying to steal you know a quarter of like a certain sector's payroll for a year or something like a mental amount of stuff what did you find about uh these characters obviously you mentioned that nemec slash mouse uh is probably gonna die <laughs> and then also we've got skeen the gentleman with the tattoos so what do you think about there's lieutenant gorn who was the imperial officer uh who's like the defector what do you kind of think of him and any of the other characters around there that kind of uh, stood out for you i mean the first thing was with Gorn, I, I think of the big lizard that fought Captain Kirk. <laughs> Was, <laughs> wasn't the, he called Gorn? I'm not uh, a big I'm Star sure. Trek fan. <laughs> no, no, well, I know the scene you're talking about, the really cheesy, like, you know, they lift up the rock that's clearly just weighs about half a pound. Yeah, I think you mean brilliant. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's cheesy as fuck, but uh, it, I just love it. Um, yeah, no, the thing I'd say, I, I think initially... My thoughts on the overall episode, okay, there's the plot, but really it's just a lot of dialogue. So it's it's more about understanding the characters. And I think it was more about those parent, son slash daughter relationships, you know, going from uh, Khan at, at the start, you know, with his mum, and you can see he's struggling to, to break free and he wants to become his own man kind of thing you know Skeen is talking about his brother and the fact that you know where that kind of went and he had his old tree farm and again that was sort of playing on the whole axe the the axe forgets and the tree remembers kind of thing and uh Mon Mothma and her 
daughter. So, so I think that was the running theme throughout this episode. Um, but yeah, again, with uh, I'm trying to think now. Gorn, I there's so many side characters. There's like Gorn, there's Blevin as well, and you can see some of them have just got a disregard. They're like, oh, we'll make you know a new office block out of this, uh, you know, just casually just disrupting people's lives. And you think, you know, you 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 are the douchebags, and you know that you're the douchebags. It's not like David Mitchell who's like, you know, are we the baddies? <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, that's what, for me. The Game of Thrones feel. It's mm. not you know the goodies and the baddies. It's all these different characters. And like I say, if this is why I need to go back and watch it again. It, yeah, I need to pick on what all these relationships are and what what their relation is to each other as well. So yeah, I don't don't really uh, I didn't really pick up on the characters as such, but the little things that I kind of picked up on. I mean, I love the. I mean, it looks like the Scottish Highlands or Wales or something, doesn't it? Where they they've shot there, but when the Tie Fighter comes, you know, and, and you're sort of thinking, well, how doesn't it? see them is it scouting for people and you sort of think well no is it just being a dick you know it's like actually just terrorizing the local farmers is is what they're doing and and i think that's where i settled is yeah they're just being fucking dicks to the people because they can be because they're the empire so you know as gray as it is they're still shits <laughs> <laughs> so so i appreciate that so yeah, I again I'm I'm along for the ride. I do feel like uh th- th- there's this massacre coming. And I, I want to see where the likes of Gorn, where his character goes, why is he why do we care about him? Why is he relevant? And Blevin as well. I I, I don't really understand that now. I can't quite read where that's going to go. Mm, yeah. Well I I found that when I was uh, watching this episode, watching uh Lieutenant Gorn in those scenes, like, could you imagine being an Imperial defector but still having to be undercover? Like, uh, well, I was saying to Megan when I was watching it, I was like, I can't, like, obviously there are heroes, throughout history there have been heroes, obviously with Nazi Germany, the amount of people who saved uh, people running away from concentration camps and things mm. is staggering, and most of their names will never be remembered, unfortunately, because that's not always how history works. But I was just thinking, like, even me watching it, I'm feeling so nervous every time I see him on screen around other Imperials because it's like his heart mm. isn't in it. And it's like he knows if he slips up once, if someone follows him when he goes on his speeder bike sort of uh, scouting check and goes and talks to the, the other rebels, he, he's he gone. And isn't obviously he has like nothing to lose. That's kind of what I think Vel said about him, which is like, you know, he lost, he, he lost everything apart from his wife to the Empire. So he left with his wife and then he lost her. So he just lost all hope in it. And I'm like, I can't imagine anything worse than trying to be in an army that you actually, you are defecting on. It, it's terrifying. Mm. You know, and I do appreciate this is a bit grittier. It's a bit more adult than a lot of the, the other Star Wars content, especially the series. But you know what I would love in this series is something like a Tarantino style mm. scene, you know, because... I, I'm thinking in particular of like Inglorious Bastards. I don't know if you've seen it, but yeah. there's a bit of the start, you know, and you've got the guys hiding the Jews in the basement being interrogated. It is a wonderfully 
uh, crafted scene, like the camera positions, the cinematography and everything. It just builds up that tension and you feel anxious watching it. You are shitting yourself, you know? And also um, there's a bit later on where, um, Michael Fassbender and the, the crew are, are talking to this uh, SS officer and, you know, you've got the German army officers in there as well. And they're, they're having this dialogue and they're trying to pass off that they're German. And he's, oh, you got a funny accent there. And the scene goes on for like 10 minutes and you're like, shit, get out of there. God damn it. Every time I watch it, you know, and I, I think they're going to escape this time. But I, I want to see something of that level in this series and from where it is now because yeah it's kind of tense but it's it's tv show tense isn't it i want to see proper stakes proper quentin tarantino style tension building scenes Mm, that would be amazing i i agree i think we will get there eventually i think generally speaking it's three episode arcs i I, in general is like a loose idea so i think this next episode we're going to see how it goes hopefully it goes well it's probably they're probably going to get the money i don't think they're going to get all the money they want and i don't think many are going to survive um but we'll start to wrap up here um so i just wanted to say blue milk just have to mention it because it was fun watching him yeah. cereal with blue milk i cracked me up um but are there any sort of final thoughts of this show as a whole or um any elements because obviously although this episode is, i was really interested to talk to you about this this episode because it's all like a uh, a, a boiling point almost i'm somewhat jealous of jack next week because he's gonna have and, and whoever he has as guest he's gonna have some a lot to talk about i think with the next episode mm. so what are your sort of final thoughts or any vague predictions you want to say just before we wrap up yeah i mean i probably said it about three times but probably in the next episode and and you're right i'd, I'd heard that before as well about the three arc or the three issue arc or three episode rather it's not a comic um <laughs> So yeah, I don't, I don't have a good feeling. For, <laughs> you know, the next next episode it might be a bit of a bloodbath. So there might be a lot to to dissect then. And old mouse, you know, he's at it. Um, yeah, because uh, what's his name? The the Nimit? chap? No, the uh, oh, the the architect, the guy who brought Cassian in. Oh, Luthen Rail. Is that him? Yeah, so, Stellan Skarsgård. That's him. Yeah, yeah. So he's saying, oh, yeah, this is where it all starts. And in issue five, it's not me. <laughs> so, so I think this is going to be the false start. Um, and I think this is going to be a prompt. You know, if it was a movie, we're approaching the halfway point, aren't we? We're approaching the bit where Rocky has to have his ass handed to him by Clubber Lang. You know, he's got to knock him on his ass and, and you know, he's got to question everything about him. You know, Cassiano has got to think, I've been in this for the money, but you know what? I'm not in it for the money anymore. I'm in it for this reason and whatever this reason is. So I think just a failed mission will not be enough to make him do that. So it has to be, yeah, it's got to be a bloodbath, hasn't it? It's got to leave... Uh, it's got to leave him in the position of being the tree, doesn't mm. it? You know, so uh, the tree remembers, and that's where I think the next episode is going to go. 
Brilliant. And I just want to say, when you mentioned earlier on the episode, the axe forgets what the tree remembers and how, when you heard that, you were like, wow, that is brilliant. I felt the same. I wrote mm. on, my, on my notes, I wrote the name of the episode, you know, the axe forgets. And then when Skeen said the axe forgets what the tree remembers, I was like, oh, deep cuts there, Star Wars. Yeah. Once again, I don't think they created it, but it was so apt, so appropriate. And I was mm. like, and they get the episode name, oh, just chef's kiss on that regard. Um, but yeah, I think we're, if, if I was a betting man, I, I would be betting against... <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah. the, the lives of all of these people and as you said it's funny because Alex Lautner plays uh, Nemec and I saw him from he's in a Black Mirror episode but he's also in a show called End of the Fucking World um, and it's it's absolutely phenomenal oh, show yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah I've seen that so good it's on Netflix it. now yeah. I think it was a Channel 4 show but it's on Netflix now I, uh, the UK Netflix I recommend anyone checks it out each episode's only like 20-30 minutes long and there's two seasons I think because it's British we don't decide to have a million fucking episodes so we've only yeah. got like I think it's like six episodes or eight per season or something. Absolutely phenomenal. His acting in that is incredible. But it's funny because me and Megan were talking about him because we were scrolling through Netflix and we saw End of the Fucking World. And we're like, oh yeah, I remember watching that, you know, mm. uh, a couple of years ago. We just watched the trailer just as a nice little uh, reminder. And we're like, oh. and I was like, I haven't seen Alex Lawton in anything recently. He's got to be due something. And then the next <laughs> yeah, day, and then he pops he's up. into Star Wars. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> Who's listening to me in my house? Um, Am I in the Matrix? <laughs> <laughs> there are many moments in my life where that has been a question. Um, but yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I think next episode is going to go badly. Um, but I'm very excited by this show. This show has completely surprised me. I like that it feels different. I don't want a million Mandalorian clones or anything like that. And I feel like this is the big series win to kind of rain styles back for a lot of people who felt like Kenobi missed its mark a little bit and Book of Boba Fett missed its mark a little bit, which although I enjoyed both, I, I would say Boba Fett definitely missed the mark a lot. Um, but I'm very excited to see where this can go. And this is finally going to be a, a show that is a good show that's also in Star Wars rather than just being mm. a good Star Wars show. Um, so I'm very excited about that. So we'll wrap up here. Um, Dave, I know you're doing a million and one things, including 150,000 episodes of Reality Cast. <laughs> You've got VHS Strikes Back. You pop up on Comics in Motion, are doing lots of guest spots in random places and things. Um, I think you're on a Banned Books episode as well. So tell people... Oh, yeah. <laughs> there's lots of stuff. I'll make sure... I've, I've said it now. I have to put a link in the description. I've cursed myself. Um, but tell people any sort of... If there's anything you want to say that hasn't already been said about Andor, please go ahead. And then uh, please tell people anywhere they can find you in anything that you're currently involved with which is everything <laughs> yeah no i mean the first thing is it's, it's been brilliant to get on and speak to you again just just geek out a little bit and talk about you know what we saw and what we think and you know what might be going on there so absolutely brilliant um things that i'm involved with at the minute so obviously the vh throwback you know i think we've got a classic coming out next week because we've hit october so it's kind of uh um Halloween season, isn't it? So we've got Jaws, mm. the original uh, Jaws coming up. Scared the living shit out of me. Left its deep shark tooth scars all over me. I still shit scared of going in the sea due to that. I still say that 70s parents were fucking shit uh, <laughs> uh, letting us watch that shit. You know, it was a PG. Damn you, Steven Spielberg. <laughs> but um, but apart from that, that, that was good fun to go back and watch. And uh, yeah, you mentioned about uh, Chris and Dave's reality TV cast currently following uh, Married at First Sight. And we did our first interview because normally we just take the piss out of everyone and we still do that. But, you know, occasionally we'll spot someone and uh, they'll be a good fit. And so we interviewed a, a lady called Lara who uh she came in and married this guy 
who uh, got the guitar out on the wedding day, proper David Brent style. So it was like, we've got to try and get her on. And so she was a lot of good fun. <laughs> um, what else? Yeah. So you mentioned band books, uh, on Tonya's project. That was, that was fantastic. Um, what else? Something coming up on comics in motion. So I actually did the draft with Paul. Mm. So myself and Chris did kind of eighties and nineties animated characters. And whereas, you know, the, the first two episodes have been brilliant. You had, um tony and max you had Rhea and jack and they were so thoughtful and they were so polite uh you know and they were like oh very good pick oh that, that was very good me and chris <laughs> fucking went for it gloves were off going for each other's throats we are in this shit to win so you know as soon as that come out, comes out i'll be doing a gorilla uh social media uh, marketing campaigns. Um, no. <laughs> oh, that's so good. I, can't, I love hearing you, your guys' banter. Is just one. Of, it's one of the key things people I think love about the reality cast. VHS Strikes Back. Obviously, comics of motion, TV, movies. It just works so well. It's it's so much yeah. fun. Always delightful hearing the two of you. Yeah, I'll, I'll make sure I include links in the description to all of those, uh, all of those things. Um, depending on when the super draft comes out, I might just put a link to say, "Remember, check this out," and then I'll try my best when it does come out to edit the show notes. But with these weekly discussion shows, ninety-nine percent of people don't listen after the next episode's out, which is fair. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I mean, with myself, I'll just say, you know, check out Stars Comics and Canon, check out Genuine Chit Chat, uh, the guest spots I've done. I went on Ike's Flame recently and spoke about the High Republic, which was quite fun. Um, I've been on the She-Hulk episode seven, I think, with Megan. Um, I've also been on Frank Burton's I Like the Sound podcast. Uh, I spoke about some of the sounds I like, so that's quite fun, especially if you're an audiophile. Um, and that's more or less it for the time being. I'll include links in the description. Oh, there's also the Disney discussions. Myself, Megan, Rhea, and Spider-Dan, uh, we did another episode sort of Disney discussions and that was on the weird and wonderful side of Disney three Disney films aren't even on Disney plus because they're so weird that was a great episode by the way I was listening to that at the gym really good episode well thank you I appreciate it um and we'll be doing we're recording the next Disney discussions on Monday actually I think uh so that will probably be out in about a month because uh, we normally try and give ourselves a bit of a break but yeah that's everything from ourselves so you know thank you so much for listening as always my friends obviously thank you to Dave as always coming on a delightful human being and having the platform of comics emotion to have us on um and yeah just thank you so much for listening as always my friends we appreciate all of you uh we'll speak to you next week we'll be jack once again hosting which i'm very excited to hear and this episode that comes out and um yeah just may the force be with you you have just experienced host creator everything else of genuine chit chat and also the host and creator of star wars comics and canon found on the Comics in Motion podcast, Mike Burton.